You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Ah, yes, the thrill and the adrenaline is going. We're back on air. Jason uh, Pine, our man from Sky Sports New Zealand. Kia Ora, my friend. How are you? It's uh, great to see you and you, Josh. We've, we've uh, got to turn him on. <laughs> there he is. Kia Ora. <laughs> Kia ora, am I am I on? Am I, you am are, I my friend. audible? You are, you're audible. You're you're way in front of the rest of the pack, is all I can say. What a joy <laughs> to have you on FNR again. Uh, so many things to talk about uh, New Zealand wise. So much to talk about Wellington Phoenix. Uh, I want to talk about your ferns. I want to talk about this fantastic um, Melbourne City girl called um, Young Stotty. Uh, mm. Lo and behold, she's back after a little bit of. Um, um, a break from the game. She had a more important job to mm. do, and that was look after herself. You know who we're talking about. Tell us, Jason. Yeah, Rebecca Stott. I mean, what a what a story, guys. You know, a year ago, it was only a year ago, she was diagnosed with stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma. I mean, that's blood cancer. Yeah. You know, that is not a that is not a uh, a mild condition. That is a serious condition. She was at Brighton and Hove Albion at the time, of course, and had to leave that club uh, in order to start her. Uh, her chemotherapy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her rehab, and and it was aggressive chemotherapy that she undertook as well. She came uh, back to Melbourne to um, to do that. Mm. Uh, underwent uh, a number of sessions of chemotherapy, which was, as I say, very aggressive. Uh, she lost her hair. Yeah. She um, she suffered the the side effects, but the chemotherapy worked um, so well, in fact, that she um, she actually um, was in complete remission. One session of chemotherapy. Um, early, so wow. she didn't have to do the last one. She was in full remission, and then it was a matter of getting herself back um, match fit. Uh, turned out for a, a state league side, and then joined Melbourne City, of course. And then the call up to the football ferns. I mean, obviously the timing uh, last year was terrible in terms of the Olympic Games. Yep. She couldn't play for the ferns at the Olympic Games, but she earned her recall for the recent She Believes Cup and um, and took the field in the first game off the bench. And it was a very emotional time, you know. Here's a Here's a, um, you know, a player and a, and a human being who's been through something that, you know, touch wood, most of us won't ever have to. Uh, but she's come through it. She stared down a, a pretty big monster, beaten it, and uh, back out she went. So it was a, uh, a story that reverberated around the world, and we're just delighted to see uh, Rebecca Stott back out there. Jason, I'm absolutely blown away by her this season, her performances for, for City. I was, I was coming in thinking it's a bonus if she can even get on the pitch. Yep. Like, Yep. You know, this is such a great story regardless. But she's bossed the midfield. She's switched positions uh, to a position where you'd assume would involve even more running. But she's this deep-lying playmaker, Andrea Pirlo type, running this show in the centre of the park. It's smart. It's unbelievable. Smart, says yeah. Jason. Astonishing. Yeah. yeah, and and she well she's been around for a while now, right, yeah. guys? So she's she a knows champ. how to play she's the a game. Champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute champion. And but you're right, Josh. I mean, you know, to come back and to not only take the field, but to but to be a standout in games, and she was for the football ferns as well. She came off the bench, as I say, in all three of the games, and and made a difference every single time in that deep lying role, that midfield role. We're used to seeing her at centre back. She's played a lot of football at centre back mm. for club and country. But um, just her ability to, you know, to receive a pass, to look up, to play a pass, just to be that fulcrum at the base of, of New Zealand's midfield may well be where we see her play over the mm. next um, year to 18 months as we head towards the World Cup. But just to see her back out there, you know, it was just um, – and, and that smile, you know, mm. that smile 
that uh, had been absent for a while. Um, great to see it back. Great to see her back. Uh, Jason Pine is our guest on State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Uh, Jason, you're a pro. You've watched her compete on many occasions. You've watched a number of great stories over the years because New Zealand has this fantastic ability to throw up champions left, right and centre. How has she been received by the football-loving public of New Zealand as, as she made her first moment back to the, to the Ferns? Oh, I, as you can probably imagine, George, with, um, with huge excitement and, and huge admiration mm. for what she'd done. And, and I think, you know, it's funny, a, a lot of people in football circles knew about Stoddy's illness and knew, that, knew about her battle to, to beat it. But uh, I think the wider New Zealand public weren't aware of the story um, necessarily, the full story, until she earned a recall to the Football Ferns. And then that story was told and people were like, oh, my goodness, this player <laughs> is amazing. She's this human being is amazing. She has, you know, beaten a, an incredibly um, serious disease to not only beat it and get into remission, but to get back out and play, play, you know, high level sports. So, yeah, it was greeted with, with huge admiration, excitement and um, and great positivity, as you'd probably imagine. Now, they say in sport with every high, there's there's a low. And uh, you've had a, a horror moment for one of your defenders. I, I don't want to drag it out too much, but give us a sense. You know, normally if you have if you if you're a defender and you cop an own goal, mm. uh, that's that's part of, that's part of football. It happens, yeah, and can can happen. But we've actually had a player. Um, I won't say responsible for three. The misfortune, uh, the misfortune of the of goal three. being attached to her name three times yeah. in, in one match. Is that is that fair, or is are we being way too too tough? No, you're being fair. No, she she scored three own goals. <laughs> There's no other way to look at it. She she and and I mean the the one of the bigger ironies, and I'm sure this hasn't escaped your attention, is it was a perfect hat trick of own goals: <laughs> a left footer, a right footer, and a header. <laughs> Uh, which you know just adds to the adds to the legacy of this quite remarkable, um, you know I was going to say feat, but it's not really a feat. It's nothing, you know. It's, if you'd said to Michaela Moore, "You're going to score a hat trick against the United States," that would have been beyond her wildest dreams. Mm. But this this was the stuff of nightmares, absolute nightmares. And and really, apart from the second one, the second one has come across. It's flicked off an attacker, hit Michaela Moore in the head, and gone in. Nothing you can do. No player could do anything. They couldn't react in time. It's basically hit her in the head and gone in. The other ones, though, the first one, she's she sliced across into her own net. And the third one, the ball's come across the six-yard box and she's just got her body in the wrong position. And and um, and instead of hacking it away, it's hacked it into the back of the net. It was I could not believe what I was seeing. I was calling the game for Sky. And you're right, guys. You know, I mean, everyone's, everyone who's played football scored an own goal. Correct. I don't care who you are. You yep. know, you, you, you find yourself on the wrong end of that. To score two is is less common, but not completely unheard of. But I have never, ever seen a player score three own goals, not only in a in a game, but in a half. It was within 40 minutes. It was just quite extraordinary. And as we know, she was she was taken off shortly afterwards. There was a bit of debate about whether the right thing to do was to leave her on until halftime to save her further embarrassment by, by giving her the hook before halftime had even arrived. But by that stage, it was obvious her head had just gone. And, um, you know, the most unfortunate of days for Michaela Moore on the occasion as well, of her 50th cap. Wow. So, it, it, you know, it could not have gone worse for her.
Does she get to keep the match ball afterwards? <laughs> yeah, nice one, Josh. Yeah, I'd had that. I'd had that uh, question as well. Yeah, oh. signed by signed by the opposition, perhaps. Um, oh. Yeah, look, I, and I, I think what what has been pleasing in the aftermath of it is, yes, of course, it's the kind of story that goes viral because mm. yep. a hat trick of own goals. No. I mean, it Can't. never happens, right? So, so it's had you know millions of views around the world, but. The football um, family and certainly the New Zealand team have wrapped their arms around Michaela Moore. I understand she um, pretty much uh, deleted all her social media mm. just to separate herself from it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. She's gone back to Liverpool now, and I see a number of the, their players have have shown their support through um, you know through various means. Look, it's of course she doesn't want it to happen, you know. But um, but look, if if the upside of it, if the trade off is that she scores a hat trick or even a goal against the United States at the right end in the World Cup next year, then it'll all be worth it. Bloody hell. <laughs> I guess she joins the uh, the Martin Palermo Hall of Fame. Oh. Do you remember the Argentina player who missed three penalties in a match? Yes. The worst hat tricks. Uh, but uh, I guess consolation for her, these things go viral very quickly and she's the centre of attention for about a day or two and then give it a couple of weeks, everyone will have forgotten about it. You move on with your life. So uh, it's just it's just something that is just too uh it's just too weird not to pay attention to i feel a little bit bad about <laughs> well i was going to say uh, black cats but i i don't want to talk about black cats i don't want to talk about anything black because uh, anytime you mention black it's a winning team it's the all blacks <laughs> and and as i think you and i have touched on i actually am old enough to remember when kenny wright was the 58 for australia's wallabies at eden park and they absolutely cruise past a very good New Zealand All Black side, but it was it was almost a century ago. <laughs> yes, I, well, I'm, but uh, it is good though, George, that you always bring it up. <laughs> I think that's key. I think that's crucial that you always oh, remind us. Yeah. Well, Mead, Mead, uh, Colin Mead uh, kept reminding me that, um, and uh, Kirkpatrick kept reminding me they they always had a hand on Kenny Catchpole whenever they needed it too. Great, the great Kenny Catchpole. You've lost he, me, George. No, no, we're, ta- <laughs> we're going back into the into the archives now. There was a fa- fabulous halfback for Australia in the days when the Wallabies were a seriously talented football team. His name was Kenny Catchpole. Played for the Galloping Greens, Randwick, and of course played against the Almighty All Blacks. And uh, uh, Mead and Kirkpatrick, two of the roughest, toughest mm. footballers, forwards of their day. In fact, they are. I think they've, they've, there are a couple of monuments that hold up one of the bridges in New Zealand, aren't they? They're that big. They're well regarded. Yeah, yes, yeah. Absolutely. They've got tree trunk thighs. It's, it's scary stuff. And they grabbed him uh, the side of a ruck and one turned to the other and said, meet you on the other side. And almost, almost finish his football career Jeez. then and there. It was scary stuff. But they were. it was a different game. It was a different era. Uh, but they still had this passion to, to not be beaten by anybody. And that New Zealand streak, it, you, it's in there. It's deep in the – it's like in the water, Jason, because Wellington, the Phoenix, come back home and play and they lift a leg. You see them. Whether it's the, the people taking off all their tops and running around doing crazy things. Oh, by the way, we actually had a streaker at Amy Park the other night. I don't yeah, think it I was a Wellington this. Phoenix tribute. But he, but, he, but he streaked with his clothes on and then proceeded yeah. to try and jump the fence and then crashed into it. That was not special. <laughs> so he's not really a streaker at all, is no, he? He's, he's, just, no. he's sort of a, just, he a, he's just a ground invader. <laughs> yeah. Jason. He can't even get that right. But- <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's get back to the football. Uh, this football fern side, I mean, the, the sideshow of the own goals aside, uh, just how well are they preparing for, the, for this home World Cup? Because we keep talking about our home World Cup. I think everyone's forgotten it's yours mm. as well. Yeah, look, um, to, not to put too fine a point on it, they'll be disappointed with what happened at the She Believes Cup. You know, they were beaten, well beaten by the United States. But, I mean, there's no... Um, there's no crime in that. They're a very good team, as we all know. They they haven't lost at home for goodness only knows how long. Um, but in the other two games against Iceland and the Czech Republic, I just thought New Zealand were a bit toothless in attack. Mm. Uh, I think they created mm. very little. They didn't score a goal in the three games, so that, that tells you something. But really, guys, they didn't look like constantly threatening the opposition goal either with and and when you've got players like Hannah Wilkinson who we know has been playing so well for Melbourne City you know got five in a game not that long ago was was basically really ineffective um any chances that New Zealand had kind of came from uh you know from from pacey players trying to get down the you know down the flanks and get get balls Mm. into the area uh, which kind of all fizzled out, really. So I think in attack, Yitka Klimkova, the coach, has got a bit of work to do. She has to decide whether the players she has at the moment are the ones to take the team through to next year or whether she has to start blooding some some others. Defensively, they're okay. You know, as you say, notwithstanding the hat-trick of own goals and shipping five against the US, they're actually okay defensively, reasonably solid. Um, you know, so they won't get, they won't, you know, typically get uh, run over by sides. But to progress in a tournament, mm. as you guys know, you need Good to score school. goals. Mm. Yeah, and and at the moment, they don't look like scoring regularly when they go out. You know, they they just don't seem to have a cutting edge that is that is necessary in a in a tournament as big as the one that's coming up. Is there a youngster in the in the background that could that could ju- just re sorry just appear just jump out of the the uh, the woods? Well, I'll tell you who I really like, and you may have seen her playing for the Wellington Phoenix women's side, is a young girl called Alyssa Winham. Mm. Now, she's basically come from nowhere, really. She wasn't, I think you might have heard this story, wasn't even in the Wellington Phoenix women's squad when it was initially named. Coach Gemma Lewis rang Alyssa Winham and said, hey, Alyssa, I know you've been in the mix, but unfortunately, we haven't got a place for you. But then there came up the opportunity to have a couple of scholarship players join the team, uh-huh. and Alyssa Winham was one of those. And it's turned out she's played um, pretty much every game. In fact, she started... Uh, the last 10 or 11 games and has been terrific. She's not an out-and-out striker. She's not number nine, mm. but she's a she's a very, very clever attacking midfielder. And if you're looking for ways to unlock opposition defences, she's got great feet, guys. You know, she's got wonderful little uh, skill and the ability to get away from people. Doesn't look that quick, but gets away from people and, and can set things up. So if I'm Yetka Klimkova, I'm kind of taking a punt on Alyssa Winham. Mm. I'm saying that we haven't got a player like you we haven't got really a, a an attacking number ten like you. Mm. Let's get you into the camp. Let's you know. Let's let's work with you for a year, and who knows what you might produce uh, when the World Cup rolls around. Because other than that, guys, you look around at the players playing professionally around the world, and there isn't anybody coming through like that. There just isn't, unless they've escaped everybody's attention. Because the players who are playing professionally have pretty much been mopped up by this side. They're playing in the side, but they just don't at the moment have the ability to unlock. Opposition defences. You were looking for someone who could surprise George. I think mm. Alyssa Winham surprised herself a few weeks ago when she scored that goal against Brisbane Raw. She she was she was stunned, sort of <laughs> agape, <laughs> of hands to her mouth. Yeah. It was such a great moment. 
delightful. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it, it, I mean, if you and I scored, Josh, we'd be very, very surprised. But um, you know, Alyssa Wyndham is a she's a professional footballer. You'd, you'd think that you know that she wouldn't be that that taken aback by the fact she'd score. But it was a lovely moment, right? Yeah. And and as I say, she's she's just a kid. They all are in that team. But yeah, the um the kind of um unbridled emotion was really, really quite endearing. I thought. Uh, the public, they're starting to get excited about uh, a, a Women's World Cup down under? I think they are, George, yeah. I mean, at the moment, we'd, well, in fact, tomorrow, the the um, the Women's Cricket World Cup starts in New Zealand, uh, the 50-over World Cup. So that's the first of, of three big women's tournaments. We've got the, um, the Women's Rugby World Cup later in the year, and then, of course, the big one, the Football World Cup, co-hosting with Australia in the middle of next year. So it's a really quite a cool time for for women's sport over here. And I know the tournaments are going to try and bounce off one another to, you know, to, to take lessons. And, and look, we all know how big a FIFA world cup is. We know what the, the FIFA machine is like when it, when it cranks into gear and, and look, you know, I wouldn't say that in, you know, in March of 2022, we're, we're absolutely frothing yeah. for, for June of next year to roll around, but there is excitement there and it will only build as the, um, as the tournament gets closer. How about some of your men's players playing over in Europe? We've been getting ahead of ourselves and excited because Christian Volpato scored a goal in Serie A. But meanwhile, Libby Kikachi is making inroads at Empoli and looked to have a pretty good game for himself against Juventus over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, this is another cool story, isn't it? You know, he, he's um, he's always um, been a player, you know, in the A-League who you thought, you know what, he's got a bit about him, this kid. And mm. in his final season at the Phoenix, he was, you know, he was, I think by all accounts, from all observers, the best left back going around. Uh, spent time in Belgium, where he he became a European professional and learnt what that meant. But he's always targeted Serie A, and for Empoli to come in for him in the um, in the transfer window, uh, the way the deal is structured, if Empoli stay in Serie A, his loan deal becomes a three-year deal. So all they've got to do is stay up, and they're mid-table at the moment. They shouldn't have too many problems with that. So he'll become an Empoli player. Um, at the end of this season, and, and you know, for a kid, I'm again, I'm sure I've told you this story. His his um his dad owns a, a very popular restaurant in Wellington, and it's an Italian restaurant. That won't surprise you. <laughs> and a lot of the Phoenix boys used to go in there um, many years ago. The likes of Andrew Durante, Vince Lea, Glenn Moss would go in there, and Libby's dad, Antonio Cacacci, would say to these guys, "Hey, I've got a my my son's a you know a good a, a good young player." <laughs> Libby was about nine or ten at this stage, and and so. Dura and Vinny and Mossy would, you know, nod politely, and then they go outside and go, "Man, I wish that guy would stop bloody talking about his son." You know, <laughs> and then, and then, fast forward a few years, and who should turn up in the um, in the Wellington Phoenix changing room but Libby Kakachi in his school uniform because he was still at school when he signed pro, and sitting next to Dura, and Dura would say, "Oh, maybe the maybe your old man was right after all," and it has proven to be the case. So it's a great story, and he's a he's a great kid. He's a really great kid. Um, from a from a wonderful family, and you know, I, I just just wish only good things for Libby Kakachi. Sarpreet Singh, meanwhile, Bundesliga two on loan uh, from Bayern Munich, uh, and he's been turning some heads, uh, you know, among people who watch this via Bundesliga at least. Yeah, uh, Regensburg is where he is, and uh, I, I think he he had a, re- a really difficult loan spell at Nuremberg. Um, the first time he went out on loan from Bayern Munich didn't work out from at all. Um, went back to his parent club and now at Regensburg he's getting games and and is doing well. He's got a bit of a niggle at the moment, which I understand is going to keep him out of um, of the Oceania World Cup qualifiers for New Zealand at the back end of March. Um, won't be a I, I don't I mean it's a loss obviously, but 
um, New Zealand should still be able to negotiate that okay without him as long as he's around for for what hopefully will be an intercontinental playoff. That's what I was going to clarify. He's okay for the for the intercontinental playoff, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that, yeah, that's in June. So let's hope so, Josh. I mean, um, yeah, I, I think playing five games in 11 days or whatever it is, or even even three games in, in eight days, which is what the window is, um, mm. would have been probably just pushing it a bit. So if the trade-off is you get him for June, you take him for June. Because in all honesty, New Zealand shouldn't need Sarpreet Singh to to account for the likes of New Caledonia, Fiji and Tahiti. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I don't think that's being arrogant. I just think it's the state of, of, of where we are in Oceania. Every player in the New Zealand side is a professional um, and, and there are no players playing professionally in the other island side. So back to Sarpreet, he's doing well. He, um, he looked good um, in the All-Whites games he played um, at the back end of last year in the start of this. And, and he's the only, you know, I talked before about how the Ferns don't have a number 10. Sarpreet is the only pure number 10 mm. that New Zealand has. He's the only guy to get in that pocket between midfield and defence, facing in the right direction and playing those balls into the likes of, of Chris Wood and, yeah, and others. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really important for New Zealand that he is available for the big, big games. You mentioned Woody. Um, he's, he's had a fantastic step up uh, to Newcastle. And uh, how the, the coach of Newcastle appears to like having a target man of that calibre, and he's a big unit. Yeah, massive guy. And, how how and big is he? Is he six four, six five? I don't think he's quite six five. He'd be he'd be sort of six three, six four, but Ooh. he's but he's solid as oh, well. Yeah. Whether he's not, yeah, he's not your Peter Crouch type. He's he's solid, um, and he's he's a genuine number nine, and and makes things difficult for any defender. And I think this is a great move for him. You know, he's tall away at Burnley. Um, double-figure goals in the last four seasons. I mean, not too many players do that and in four consecutive seasons score double-figure goals in the Premier League. So a good move for him. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, what's going to happen when Newcastle's money really kicks in and, and they bring a whole lot of players in? Um, or what happens if they get relegated, which is still a possibility, although they're starting to play a lot better now. Um, I, I just think Chris Wood's coming into a club that's that's on an upward swing. And, you know, for him, he's as I say, he's battled away with Burnley. He's clearly got a pay rise to go to Newcastle. Oh, yeah. And if he, you know, in, in some way, shape or form, helps them to stay in the Premier League and to, you know, and to actually finish the season in, in relatively promising style, then he'll he'll be very popular with those fans. They might have European football to look forward to. You know, he's 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 not getting any younger, Chris Wood. He's not old by any stretch, but he's not you know, he's, he's not going to be around forever. So I think it's a good move for him. And, and we all, obviously, in New Zealand, hope that he um, well, does two things. Does well for Newcastle and stays fit for New Zealand. Yeah. Well, you know, if if he plays well for Newcastle now, then he'll solidify his status as a kind of mid-table Premier League striker. And whatever Newcastle spend on their replacement, Correct. I don't think he'll struggle to find another employer in the division if he, if he plays well at Newcastle now. Yeah, good point. Really good point. Yeah. Let's talk A-League. Uh, let's talk about the Phoenix. What have you made their season thus far with all the complications and with all the disruption that uh, the season has uh, has taken? Because I, I spoke to Tony Sage from Perth Glory last night. They played Melbourne City and finished 2-2. Uh, but he was, telling, he was busy telling me all night just how many um, problems they've had to endure how many uh, closed doors they had with, uh, with the, um, the state of uh, WA. And King McGowan, of course, uh, rules, rules uh, uh, you know, principality uh, just as he wants. Thank you very much. And it's been very, very difficult. How, how has Phoenix, in your eyes, been coping? Yeah, um, first of all, I've got to say, I really feel for Perth glory. You know, I mean, they, they have had 
a heck of a ride, you know, and, and we all hope that it'll finish soon. They'll get back home and we know how much they love their football over there. The Perth Glory supporters, hopefully they can get to play some games over there and, 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 and Daniel Sturridge gets fit and he can play a bit as well. I think with the Phoenix, they've almost now got used to the fact that they have to play in Australia. You know, the, this is their third season during which they've had to play a significant portion, if not all of it, on your side of the ditch. And they've kind of just got used to it now. Um, but having said that, they were pretty terrible um, for a large period of the first part of the season. The Phoenix always seemed to start badly. They they gave us a bit of hope at the start of this season. They had a win and a draw, and all of a sudden, after two games, they're up near the top of the league. But then they kind of fell down and mm. lost a few games, and they, they lost 4-0 to Adelaide United on New Year's Day, and they were if not rock bottom, they were certainly 11th and, and going in the wrong direction. But since then, they've won four and drawn two of their last six games unbeaten. They had a, had a nice little um, FFA Cup run, including those penalty uh, shootout heroics from uh, reserve goalkeeper Alex Paulson. And all of a sudden now, they're just sort of sitting in and around the top six with quite a few games in hand and and a pretty good first 11. So... Look, I'm not saying they're going to, you know, they're going to go on and win the A League, but but I think they've got every chance, as most teams actually have at the moment, of, of being in the top six so they can continue this form. They've been really, really good in a couple of their games. They've they've been well worth the victories that they have picked up. They've brought in a couple of good imports in Gail Sandoval and Scott Wooten. And look, I think they've they've been a lot better. They were, as I say, guys, they were they were pretty average um, for large parts of the first five or six games, but they've been pretty good for most of the last six. Uh, he's a tough judge normally, but he's very honest. Jason Pine from Sky Sports New Zealand has been our very special guest on FNR State of Our Football Nation. Uh, Jason, thank you very, very much. Uh, continue doing what you're doing, and that is just providing excellent coverage for all the sports. I noticed you weren't doing the cricket in the last couple of days. Uh, what happened there just before, before you go? What, what happened? You had South Africa right where you wanted them. Yeah, um, unfortunately, um, they slipped away from us. Yeah, I mean, a, uh, a tale of two test matches. We all wow. we thought we've, we've never beaten South Africa in a test series. I uh, still haven't. And I was going to uh, say, still haven't. Yeah. <laughs> still haven't. So um, maybe we've got to wait for the next time. But right. um, yeah, it, it just didn't go our way, George. But as I say, if that means that we do well at the at the Women's World Cup, then I'm I'm happy to do the trade off. He's buying it. He's buying it. Thank you, Jason. Awesome stuff. Thank you. Great to chat, guys. See you later.